I'm thinking something like. Sometimes you you ask really good questions. Not Thank sometimes, you. all the time. Thank you. I'm kind of like, oh, falling down on the job over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, today I also knew you were sick, so I'm like, let me just let me just have some in mind. No, you did. I was kind of just like, I'm just gonna enjoy the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of things I said. I was like, okay, yeah, no, you did, did well. <laughs> you really did well. You did better. You did awesome. Thank you. It's not a judging thing. But I did do better. You're right. <laughs> I'm just glad you recognize it. Yeah. That's the first step. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for helping me realize it. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, my little tulip? I'm sick. No. (laughs) But I'm good. Uh, Yeah. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm tired, but I'm good. Yeah. You just traveled. I did. Where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Chicago? Atlanta. Atlanta. I was in Chicago and then I was in Atlanta. Okay. Oh, and Atlanta was so good, dude. Mm-hmm. I've never like enjoyed Atlanta. And then I stayed with two of my friends who are just two beautiful humans. And I kept being like, you guys are making me enjoy this city. And they were like, oh. oh. Um, so that was really nice. And I had a really great time, crushed my sets, met some good people. Yeah, and had a lot of fun. Hey. Yeah. I'm glad. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so today, it's been a minute since we had a recording, I feel like. It does feel like that. Did we record But we last recorded week? last week? No. Last week was snow day. Last oh, yeah. week was snow, snow day. day. And it's just now melting. Oh, my God. I'm so ready for the snow to be gone. I was in Atlanta, so I didn't really get to experience it, but I saw oh. everybody being like, no, I have had yeah. enough. Okay, I was in good. Chicago, so like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I've seen enough. Yeah. <laughs> But I saw no. people being like, I couldn't get to the store to feed my family. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. I luckily got a ride from somebody to work the first day. On oh, Monday. my God. But then the roads were, were better. It's so crazy, dude, because yeah. growing up here, this I came home from Atlanta, and I was like, this is, looks like Montana to me. Like, yeah. growing up in Tennessee, we did not get snow. I know. And now it's like, this is the new normal. Yeah. Well, we got eight inches. That was more than, they were saying like three or four, isn't it? Like, I went and measured it. Fuck. We had eight inches. It was crazy. Just pure ice, too. Craziness. It didn't get ice until later. when oh, it Because it came a second time. And, oh. and it was like a rainy, Ooh. like, misty snow. Uh-huh. And then it got really cold again. So then oh. that's when the ice came. But, yeah. I had somebody that had a big truck came and got me to Hell take yeah, me you to did. work. The what first. was his name? <laughs> 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 it was it was one of the, the practitioners that I work with. Oh, okay, <laughs> he borrowed his girlfriend's truck. Oh damn! So All right, you're assuming it was a male. <laughs> it was a girl's truck with a male. Truck. <laughs> he borrowed it. Okay, okay. <laughs> and came and pick me up. But anyway, uh, that's good. I'm yeah. glad you got to work safe, yeah. and I'm glad to see you. I, know, you I came too. in and you were on the couch like hello. <laughs> I'm like, oh god. Okay. I have been on my couch for three days. But yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm, we did I'm making this. it out. Yeah. Yes. Um, what did you so we met with lovely, wonderful Jeff, Jeff. Green Jeff Greenspan. Love him. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? I he was fun to talk to. I like um 
he I know we joked about the intellectualizing but Mm -hmm. I really like talking like and hearing that kind of stuff like how he's made sense of his story um I don't know I liked it it was interesting yeah I I love having those kinds of conversations and um he was authentic he is yeah Mm -hmm. I really like him he's got like a um he's from New York and I feel like he's got a kind of like a New York kind of vibe and I've gotten to know him uh more in mm-hmm. the past like couple of months and mm-hmm. I just I love him I want the best for him so it was really cool to get to hear his story yeah I could have gone into like a deep therapy session with him I know <laughs> we were nearing the end and we just got into the mom stuff and I was like oh I got more questions yeah what would you have gone into oh his inner child <sighs> yeah that was a moment when he was like you're not gonna make me cry yeah like I, I could just kind of skim the surface um, but yeah, just his story, um, and him, him intellectualizing all the things he does to try to like, mm. you know, I know he is in like such a better place now where he can like observe and make choices for himself. But some of the things he was describing, I'm just like, oh, that little inner child is just trying to get love. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I felt that some with like the, am I saying this right? If I did it, it was like yeah. trying to make sure he's still a part of a community and doesn't yeah. get ostracized. You mm-hmm. know, it was like, is this okay? Is this okay? And yeah. oh God, I relate to like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. What did you relate to the most if you want to share? <sighs> mm, that's a good question. Well, I know you've shared before that you, you have that internal dialogue of, of questioning things sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved talking about it. It's funny. Like every time you bring up parts work and that there's that one center self that just observes all the other, mm-hmm. I, it's like a new kind of new information to me. Like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so it was nice to rehear that and be like, mm, that's something that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, just that being that observer. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because he was like, there's things that I know I need to work on, but I don't. And I was kind of like, <laughs> I, I mean, I was going to say judging it. Like, now, how do you know you need to do something, but you don't? And I'm like, Amber, you <laughs> literally do that. <laughs> you know that meditation helps you be in that center self. You yeah. know that like all these things, but I don't do it. So mm-hmm. that was an interesting thing to just be reminded of. You don't ever do it? I do. Yeah, I do. But I think that like I've told my therapist before that I think meditating every day would be helpful for me. And I don't, you know, instead I like jump on the computer or Mm -hmm. fulfill, fulfill. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Um, it with other things that don't actually fulfill it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Hmm. What'd you relate to most? Anything? Hmm, what did I relate to most? I think a an old wounded part of me resonated with when he just, not necessarily because he talked about um, using sex for connection and things mm-hmm. like that. And I very much, um, relationships and connections with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just my self-worth just revolved around feeling accepted by other people. Um, and if I was in relationship with someone and I mean, I've done a lot of work to where that's definitely not my narrative anymore, but as he was describing some of that, I definitely could resonate with like being in that place and, um, engaging in relationships in that way. Mm -hmm. And from what he was saying, like he knows these are unfulfilling. Yeah. Um, 
and he's kind of like, but what, what, what I do, you know? And right. Yeah. I think that's where a part of me felt a little heartache with him, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I appreciated the way you show up and responded too. to some of the things. Yeah. I think it's cool that we can have these moments of relating because uh-huh. we're all on this plane just fucking trying to do <laughs> yes just doing our best yes, yes we are <laughs> um so thank you for tuning in and i hope you you pff, hope pff, no you're gonna enjoy this episode with jeff greenspan yeah thanks she loves it she knows she's a therapy dog so you're gonna get some loving Aww. i have a joke about therapy dogs i say that i had a therapy dog it was a lot like therapy he played fetch at me for 45 minutes and called it an hour. Because <laughs> <laughs> 15 minutes are for notes. For notes. <laughs> for notes. For notes. <laughs> yes. I know they're not really taking notes. A lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> what, that it doesn't go as long as an hour? It's a 50-minute hour. Mm. 45 if you're there easily. 45 in New York. <laughs> well, they're probably billing insurance. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's... They're like codes for 45, 50, 55, like oh, 60 and over. Interesting. Kind of thing. So 10 minutes, you're supposed to do your notes in those 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. They're just roasting us. <laughs> we leave. No. That person's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and they're using insurance for therapy. We don't put that stuff in our notes. <laughs> just right up here. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in therapy right now? <laughs> How is that funny? This is my final form. <laughs> final four? Final, final form. form. Oh. I am absolutely done improving. Yes. I am done growing. No, you're not. I, no, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. I've been in therapy since I'm five or six, and I oh. stopped... I've buried two therapists already. I mean, not, not per, like I didn't with a shovel, but I mean, but like they are dead. They're de- and I, I used to talk about this on, uh, there was a what ther- what therapist was, she was saying, you need to, you're too self-involved. You should do some volunteer work. And I was like, yeah, George told me that. And she's like, who's George? I'm like, oh, George was my last therapist. And she's like, what happened with you and him? I'm like, oh, he died. And the therapist before him, he told me the same thing and he's dead and you'll be dead. And there'll be another therapist sitting in that chair telling me to do the same things that I'm not going to do. And then she's like, well, when are you ready to like take control of your growth? I'm like, we're done. I'm like, we're done <laughs> she's still alive. We still talk. Actually. She's a lovely woman. I can't tell. I know that you're serious. I'm very, everything I joke about is serious, <laughs> but I, no more therapy. I've really, yeah. I, I, and I'm a big proponent of therapy. I'm not against it. It's helped me. If you saw where I was, this is a long, <laughs> this is a huge jump. Yeah. Like I'm a human being now. Oh. I was a yeah. Cretan. So, in I'm, what I'm, way? Uh, it was, well, I mean, it was just, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I was a special kid. What is that? Special mean? school, small oh. bus. Oh. You know, and, uh, and then the whole gay stuff in the mm-hmm. 80s when it was like, you know, terrified to, mm-hmm. there was no internet. So there was no culture to inform you about another possibility of being gay other than an AIDS patient mm-hmm. or a lonely person. Like the only gay um, telegraphing that was shown to me in media was like Jack Ripper, who was like a faggot, you know, like he had to pretend to be um, like a stereotypical gay fairy. To oh. live with the two women. That was the whole construct of that show. He could live. Do you remember Three's Company? Mm-hmm. Oh. 
Yeah, I, when you said Jack Ripper, I thought you Jack, Jack Ripper. Sorry, not Jack the Ripper. Like, I thought kind of the same thing, but I was like, I'm going to track with this and see where it goes. I'm like, his main plot that he was no, gay. No, there was a spinoff Jack the Ripper, and it was <laughs> short lived. Uh, okay, yeah. I loved that show. Right, Jack, it was so um, stupid and silly. It was great. I loved it. Why did you go to therapy when you were six? Oh, I was, you know, I didn't go because I wanted to. I mean, I was mm. a kid, but I had a lot of behavioral problems. And I tested very, like, You're I wasn't, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, gifted was a catch-all term in the 70s. Mm. So it didn't always mean you were truly gifted. <laughs> I was pretty gifted. <laughs> no, actually, I, I, I didn't bring it with me, but I pulled up, I found my psychological eval from when I was 11. Oh, wow. And I'm like, maybe I should bring it with me to this session. But I'm like, that's too self-aggrandizing. <laughs> but it reads like... The psychological profile of a Batman villain. What? It's like hot, like 90th percentile of intelligence, and I can manipulate words and, and concepts very well, but I'm uh, not connected to my emotional states, mm. and I, can, I have the ability to influence a lot of other children. <laughs> so I could control the classroom. Oh, yeah. And, and so the education, so the public education system that I was in really couldn't accommodate me. And it's odd because I have, I've had, I've had a fractured, are we on, are we doing this? Is mm-hmm. this, oh, this is the thing. This is it. We're in it. We're in it. Oh, Everybody does that. Know. I was going to be like, shouldn't we wait? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want people to know I'm gifted. I don't, I don't want people to start treating me different. <laughs> <laughs> Too late uh, now. <laughs> um, so I was able, so the public school couldn't just, discard me so my my you know i have a i've had a, i had a very fractured relationship with my mom for a long time we're good now but looking back she really did advocate and fight for me in a way that must have been very hard for a mother in the 70s to do because there was no internet there was no way of finding other parents with kids like yours you know to deal with the things that they were dealing with and she convinced this uh school system to put me in a private school called the fidel school for the gifted and talented which eventually closed under a lot of um they were basically teaching it was one of these schools in the 70s where there were no classrooms Uh because the world is a classroom and we don't call we call teachers by their first names because teachers are students too (laughs) and there was really no bad it's basically like a hippie can you yeah Yeah. can you not handle boundaries let's just get rid of boundaries (laughs) you know there's no grades because you're graded on your own curve Mm. Uh, and if you were in math class and you felt the urge to paint, you should go pursue that urge. So I learned nothing, but I, <laughs> but I explored my creativity at a very early age. And I guess on some level, I internalized the identity of a creative person, which mm-hmm. I eventually had a career in. So, I'm, you know, being on this podcast made me reflect. I'm like, what, what, what can I share and what do I know about myself yeah. outside of therapy? Cause I wasn't coming to a therapy session. I'm coming right. to like hang out with comics and podcast people and have <laughs> yeah. some fun. Uh, although you are a therapist, <laughs> yes. but you know what I'm talking about. I won't therapize you. Thera- but I was, <laughs> I was like, Oh, so maybe on some level it did help, but it did, it did hurt to, you know, I was already a physically small kid. Mm. And so that was like easy to, to be picked on. And now you're going to school 45 minutes away from all the other students. So when you get home, there's no, socializing with the other kids on your block because yeah and the stigma of the small bus picking you up also doesn't help Mm -hmm. and and then when this when this uh fidel school closed because they weren't teaching anybody anything i mean (laughs) i mean i don't think you had to be accredited to be a private school i don't know if you do do you know 
I don't think you do, mm. but I don't know for sure. These kids were not being prepared for anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I kind of got left in limbo, mm. and I wound up at something called BOCES, which was the board of... It was like it was basically special ed in the public school system, which was a catch-all for some of the most behaviorally disturbed people yeah. and violent people, too. Yeah. Mm. Like, school was a physical struggle for a long time until I... Yeah advocated for myself to go to a, a proper high school. They were going to keep me in special ed, even to high school. How old were you when you went to the BOCE? Or BOCES? Um, I guess that would have had to have been like seventh grade. Mm, damn. Yeah. Um, middle school's rough as it is. Yeah, middle school's already rough. And then I was probably getting an inkling that I might be gay. Uh-huh. But with no vocabulary to describe that and no, as we were, as I was rambling before I knew we were recording, uh, <laughs> there was nothing in the culture to let you know that being gay could be a normal, I want I, I, I can't even say normal now. Even now at 53, I can't even say a normal mm. thing, uh, but a thing. Yeah. Let's, let's say a normal thing. Um, because every, everyone, the few people that were gay on television, at least in the 80s, had AIDS or were criminals or were living alone or were removed from their families, Damn. you know, or were the butt of a, no pun intended, the butt of a joke, you know, <laughs> yeah. like Billy Crystal on soap mm. or a Jack Tripper on, <laughs> on Three's Company. And so, yeah, so it was a lot of internal uh, struggling. I think I've talked too much. No, not at all. You're the guest. <laughs> That's what you're here for. Yeah. Right. Man. Okay. So yeah. you're. You're in BOCES. You like advocate for yourself to go to a normal high school. Normal high school. Yeah. Cause there was like a, they would, it was almost like a, in Shawshank when you have to go and like defend yourself and then they stamp, you know, approved Whoa. or not approved. And uh, I was, you know, it's just a system, you know, you that you're just that a number. For yourself. What? You were doing that for yourself. I did that for myself for high school. Wow. There was just no way I was going to go. Right. I had to get my life back. Mm. And I also knew I had to get out of where I lived just because of home issues. Yeah. And the only path forward to that was to, to go to a regular high school, yeah. you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was that experience like? Going to a regular high school? Or like advocating for yourself and well, the, and the, well, the advocating took the form of, I think I did have to go to a meeting, but I remember I told I, in my house, I told my parents that if, they're going to have to get a truant officer every day to get me to go to school. I will just not go on mm. any bus. I am not. Wow. You're going to have to physically put me. It's going to, you're going to have to physically put me in the school every single day. Cause I'm not going to do it. And then we went, you know, there was some meeting in front of a council and you, you know, you, you know, I was pretty articulate mm-hmm. you know, at, mm-hmm. at, at 15 or however old you are when you're a freshman. Was that right. 14, 15? Yeah. And now, for whatever, I don't really don't remember the details of it, but I do remember I got accepted to go to this. And then it was also, that was a disaster. Because oh. after an education where you could pick and choose the rules that you follow, mm-hmm. yeah. and then going into a school where it was like, the kid next to me throughout the semester ate his notebook. Like, mentally ill people. Mm. I was completely not prepared for, you know, a structured high school. And I had no math skills. Wow. So, supposedly I was very, I tested well on intelligence, you know, uh, assessments, but I had no real... Other than reading mm. and art, you know, wow. I really couldn't compete. I didn't have any kind of study habits. I didn't have a study ethic. I didn't have a support system in terms of other students who I'd work with in my community, in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I barely graduated. You know, I remember it was Ruth Rubin was my guidance counselor. It was, I had this idea I was going to go to Brown University. Hell yeah. And uh, junior year of high school, she was like, what are your plans and dreams and hopes? And I told her, she's like... 
you're probably not going to get into a community college. You have a 64.5 average. Like I was barely, I was failing high school. I'd have to go to summer school almost every summer. Hmm. And, you know, some of this was just because I didn't have the, uh, the education support from prior years. Mm -hmm. Some of it was, you know, a myriad of ADD and OCD mm -hmm. issues that, that were diagnosed. I was also on medications from the age. I was like on Thorazine at five and then on Ritalin at eight mm. and, you know, wow. drugged up and messed up. But I got through high school. Then I realized, well, I really got to get my shit together. So I went to Nassau Community College, got like a, you know, 3.9 and got out of there and went to a state school. Yeah. Upstate. Yeah. Buffalo. You. Can we mention schools? Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I mean, but you, so what's your diagnosis? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't like diagnosis. Oh, I, trauma. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Trauma. trauma. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you were telling this story, kind of, it's just what kept coming up for me was that you, you didn't have anybody in your corner, like your parents. I had my mom in the in the beginning, quite a well, lot in the yeah. beginning. Yeah, but. You had a whole life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah. we're just having to advocate and be so direct with your parents of saying like, I am literally not going. I just, I don't know. Did you have any siblings? Yeah, I still do. Uh, he's okay. six years younger. His name is Lee. Yeah. Okay. We don't have a very close relationship. Yeah. He's got his own things that he struggles with. We all do. We mm -hmm. all have things that we struggle with, yeah. but communication between the both of us is pretty sparse. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely kid though. What kind of support did you have if it, you were, didn't have that much at home in these schools? You know? I had wonderful imaginary friends who were very supportive, <laughs> who never disagreed with me. Are you serious? Uh, no, not really. I mean, really, I, I occupied myself with puzzles and Lego and reading mm. and making art stuff. But in terms of a support system, I mean, no, I was just a kind of a lonely kid because mm. the few friends I had didn't live near me because I was yeah. going to these schools that were so far away. And I made some friends in high school, mostly older kids. Mm -hmm. Actually, the bulk of my friends <laughs> are people I met at my first job, which was McDonald's. Mm. Yeah. I'm still friends with some of these people. Mm. When I was like 15, I got a job at McDonald's. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can. Then I met people who were like, to me, it seemed very old, but like 20, 21, mm -hmm. 19. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of started rolling with them. Yeah. Mm. I'm still friends with some of those people. That's, yeah. That's good. Yeah. What's your, what's your community like now? Yeah. Comedians. Oh. <laughs> so back, back to the so beginning. Back to yeah, we're back yeah. to uh, Many steps back. <laughs> well, how's They're drafting like off all my therapy is what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I was curious to kind of like, how's that informed like how you're in relationship now whether that's friends partners or just how you do relationships like that that feels like a, a lonely way to learn relationships of like to be very I don't know if independence the word but you it seems like you had to learn just to do things for yourself and not rely on other people and that really informs how we are in relationship well I don't have a good template like I've, I've been yeah. single most of my life yeah. if you're talking about like romantic any, partners any relationship um but I've, I've made some of the, I mean, I've met some very damaged people doing comedy, but I've also met, <laughs> but I've also met some of the most emotionally intelligent people that I've done doing comedy. And sometimes they're, they're both in the same person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I feel like I found a place. I'm very happy with the kind of friendships I have. Unfortunately, 
a lot of those really good friendships are in New York City, where I'm from and where yeah. I started comedy. And I've been living in Chattanooga for three years. So mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I don't have the, the tight bonds, you know. Trauma does bond people. Yeah. And I, you know, the most trauma, I think, is when you start comedy. So I started in New York. So those people, I think we, you know, like I said, pain bonds people. And we went through a lot of shit together mm -hmm. on stage and off stage. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I was going to say blessed, but how long have I been in the South? <laughs> I feel pretty blessed about the, the, the people that I know in my life. And not just in comedy, but like through working in creative professions, I've met some really smart, funny, interesting, supportive people. And I've been able to help them too with some of the things yeah. that I've been through. So yeah. it's been, it's been good. Don't you, you like want to go back to New York, right? <sighs> kind of, but I have to kind of be realistic. I, I've, I've sacrificed a lot of the life that I had to do comedy mm -hmm. and it makes no sense. Like I started this at 47. Where is this going to go? Like, I kind of don't care. Like I, mm -hmm. I was at a place before comedy where I was uh, going to make some probably pretty bad decisions about <laughs> healthy, very poor decisions. <laughs> and on some level. <laughs> You're like, this is being recorded. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was, I was massively depressed and I just, mm. and I had all the outward trappings of what should make you happy. And so this kind of saved me in a lot of ways. And I bring that up because I'd like, I want to get as good as I can get. And when I go back to New York and I see what the scene is like, it's such a struggle to get an eight minute set, a 10 mm -hmm. minute set, a 12 minute set. And I'm very blessed that down here I can get 15s, 20s, some, some 30s. And I, I just feel, you know, I'm not on TikTok. I don't mm -hmm. put out reels. My way forward, which is maybe antiquated, is just keep getting up on stage. 10,000 hours on stage yeah. in five to 20 minute increments. And I can get on stage more down here mm -hmm. and I can get in front of actually more engaged audiences down here. The audiences in New York are, it's just very hard. It's hard to get people to come out to a show of, of comics yeah. that nobody knows. Yeah. There's a lot more vying for an audience's attention in New York city than in Chattanooga. For sure. So I've been very lucky that through the shows that I've run, I've had, a mix of, of, of lots of new people coming through who, mm -hmm. who will listen open-mindedly and people who have seen me and my friends enough that they'll actually be like, you know what? I really like how you took that joke and you mm. were doing it three months ago and now you do it this way. <laughs> you would never get that in New York where someone would follow you the way they would follow a band yeah. and watch your progress and give you some feedback or comment, yeah. negative and positive. So when you ask if I'd ever go back to New York, I mean, like the amount of money and stress it takes to live there mm -hmm. to get not a lot of quality stage time. I find that um, when I go to visit, people are very accommodating mm -hmm. in small bursts. So if you're just there for two to four weeks, everyone's like, why don't you do the show, do the show, do the show. Right. So I'm thrilled to do that. And I think that's what I'm going to keep doing. I just took a full-time <laughs> job. I haven't had one in 11 years. And that I think is going to afford me the opportunity to spend a month in an Airbnb in New York. Mm -hmm. You can do it if it's over a month and spend a month in Nashville, spend a month in Atlanta and try to just go to all the mics and get on all the indie club show, Indian club shows I can get. And so I don't know if I could ever live in New York again. Yeah. But I'd like to visit. Question about what you just said. You can live in an Airbnb if it's over a month? What was yeah. That? So Airbnb is illegal in New York City now. Oh. Unless it's 30 days or more. Yeah. Interesting. That's one word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Okay. I learned the hard way when I tried to get a hotel in December when they made it illegal. Oh. Uh, it was like $700 for a Holiday Inn. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. Not now. Now it's, it's back down to, it's still expensive, but yeah, back yeah. to like normal. Okay. But there was a month there when everybody who had an Airbnb reservation was kicked off. They were like, you can't do it. Oh, wow. And all these people needed a place to stay. Fuck. And it's December when there's all these holidays. Mm-hmm. So like... I recently went up there. A, a company paid for me to go, but we, they were looking at the rates. Like, where are you staying at some five star hotel? I'm like, no, this is a pod. A pod in Times Square <laughs> oh was five hundred and forty dollars a night. Yikes! Wow. <laughs> but if you're God. over a month, you can do it. Okay, all right. I'm gonna clock that because yep. going to New York put me in debt. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. Okay, you said it kind of jokingly, but so okay, we just spent. A wonderful night together, mm. like a, like oh yeah, with um your friend from New York, Igor, Igor, wonderful guy, Igor so Martinez. Yes, shout out to Igor Martinez, one of the funniest guys in New so York. So funny and kind, very kind. But we had such a wonderful night. Like, oh, what's up? <laughs> no, I was just think. Was this the person that you said you met? You were, we were talking when you were driving back from a show. And oh you were no, like, I just met this person that was okay. No, I no, thought, no, I was like. Okay. No. Sorry. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean for my face to show that. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but we had just such a great night of talking, and like I, it's rare to open up like that with other comics, just so vulnerable and like, um, and you seemed okay. Here's my question. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I kill myself? All right. <laughs> You said it. Not, no. <laughs> Is that what you're asking? No. Oh, okay. Why do you think you're done with? Uh, why are you like no more therapy? I'm done growing. I've reached my final form. Part of it's a joke. Yes. But it's 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 that I've heard. I've either heard the same thing so many times, and I've just not done it. That I I know what to do uh-huh. if I choose to, and I have made a lot of self. I have internalized a lot of the um, communication styles that the therapists have offered me, and self support systems that they've offered me. And I've had all different types of therapists. Um, but also, now that I've moved and everything, as you probably know, finding a new therapist, that process, yeah, on top man. of regular <clears throat> dating, mm-hmm. it's dating. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And so I think for better, I shouldn't say this on a podcast with a therapist or a <laughs> mental health professional here. Um, I'd rather kind of just deal with the demons I have than try to, like at this mm-hmm. point, I'm like, it's, I, maybe I could have a happier, more fulfilling life, but I'm kind of doing what I want to do. And I feel somewhat, mm. I think I'm succeeding. There are areas of my life I wish there were improvement in, especially like with romance or partners. Mm. Um, but like, I'm just not going to go through it right now, at least, of looking to find another, you know, a mental health professional that I sync with, that I feel comfortable with. Yeah. And dredge it all up again. Does that yeah, make sense? Because I does. have done a lot of healing and a lot of growth. And I, and I think you can benefit from therapy even if you think things are going well. So I'm not like, oh, I'm done. But I'm like, there was a point when I was certainly in crisis mm. and I needed to see a professional. And I'm certainly past that. Mm. I mean, it, it might happen again. <laughs> and yeah. then, but I'm not resistant to it. Like if I ever get back to that place I was before, mm-hmm. I would absolutely go and, and see. I hope I would at least. Yeah. Can I ask what the things are that you're like, I know I could be doing this, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, I could stop looking to meet people through sex. 
Mm. Like, I'm, you know, in the gay world, it's easy to go on Grindr if you're, you know, and, I, and I'm aware that I'm using sex as a way of supplementing anxieties and mm. the way other people might use drugs or alcohol. Mm. I'm using those too, by the way. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not limiting myself. <laughs> I'm a renaissance man. <laughs> um, oh, but I'm aware, like, She's when like, I go, like, sometimes <laughs> I'm not even horny and I'm just like, oh, well, let me just see who's out there. And there's mm. that thrill of the hunt. And part of me is like, oh, I'm 53. I still have some hunt in me. That's, that's, some, that's good. Mm. And, when I, and when the hunt goes away, I just shoot some tea in and I'm fine, you know. But I also know that like, or at least my experience has shown me that relationships that are rooted or started in sex usually don't have a foundation of, 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 um, of uh, um, uh, companionship mm. to, to rest on when the sex inevitably is not as mm. spicy as it was when you started or as frequent. Um, but I, so I could, but like, it's also, I was talking with a gay friend about this yesterday. It's not that I'm the most butch dude, but like, I don't know how to say this in a, in a way that doesn't sound fucking stupid, but there are, um, there are people who've told me that I don't telegraph my sexuality as readily as some other people might. Mm. And I'm somewhat attracted to men similarly who are, I mean, there are certain people you can, they're very, um, vocal and, and I don't want to say, uh, and performative about their sexuality. Right. And so I'm sure there are lots of other men who are just like, you know, th- and there's nothing wrong with being, I feel like I'm in a Seinfeld episode. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I'm sure there are other men who are just hanging out who seem, you know, like, I don't want to say like regular men. I, I, I the language just is just, say whatever you can, want. I know, but I, yeah. <laughs> I already get shit in Chattanooga because my grinder profile will say something like, Hey, I'm, I'm on the masculine end of the spectrum and I'm attracted to others in that, in that space. Right. Yeah. I tried to write it nicely. Preference. No, I've had people, it's a small town and I've had people come up to me in the gay community and they've been like, Hey, you know, so your, your grinder profile comes across kind of homophobic. <laughs> I'm like, do you hear yourself? That's ridiculous. Do you hear yourself? My grinder profile is a little homophobic. That's and I'm supposed to go into therapy? No. The rest of the world is gonna go into therapy. I'm gonna hang out right here. So yeah. so I bring that up because um grinder or and I go to gay bars, like I've gone to the one in, in Chattanooga. I don't particularly like the aesthetic of what passes for mainstream gay culture. Mm. I'm trying so hard to choose my words carefully. I just don't like that type of music and mm-hmm. I don't like to drink. So I don't like going to, to bars to begin with. Yeah. So where do you find, you know, gay, gay men mm-hmm. whose, um, sexuality is in the defining, uh, uh, aspect of their personality. Is that, did I phrase yeah. this well? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I tried when I lived in Los Angeles, I went on a gay, I joined a gay, uh, uh, hiking group mm-hmm. and they were sexualizing the rocks. Mm-hmm. They really were. They were like, Oh, that would be a great rock to fuck on. I'm like, <sighs> and I get it. If you put a bunch of men together mm-hmm. whose commonality is we have the same type of sex interests, right? Yeah. They're going to go to their most primal mm-hmm. vibe. So I could be, and then I've gone on dates where I've tried to not have sex first. Jesus Christ. What? What? I mean, really, I mean, just people are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And then you find out and then you deal with their terrible. And then you find out they're not even good at the sex after, after the conversations and the dinners. And so at least, I mean, it's clearly not working because I've been doing the same thing for 30 years and it's not working. I'm continuing to do it where I hook up. 
Mm-hmm. And my attitude is if we have two or three good hookups, I'll say, hey, do you want to take it out of the apartment? But inevitably, they might be damaged in ways or haven't done their healing where they're like, they're so closeted. That mm. what, what tends to be tethered to, to men that I, that, I, that I defined is that they might not be out. Mm. And that's not what I'm looking for, but they might be like, especially in a place like Chattanooga, yeah. where there's a lot of church influence. And, you know, and so uh, it's been hard to find guys who are like, it's just a small Venn diagram of men who are going to be attracted to me. Mm. I'm going to be attracted to them. Mm-hmm. The whole top and bottom thing has to work out, right. or at least the moods, you know. Yeah. Then there have to be, you know, uh, available. Like, I'm not around at night because of comedy. You know, uh, there's a lot of things working against it. And so part of me is like, ah, eh, so what's the big deal? So I'll hook up and I'll die alone. We all die alone. So, wait, was I not supposed to say that? No. Your face just got so upset. You're going to die alone, by the way. That's why I didn't know that. <laughs> Do you want to be in a relationship? I don't know. I think I'm supposed to say I am. What, what is this supposed to say thing you're I doing? I don't know. I know. Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't she the therapist? Why are you doing this? I'm just around her a lot. <laughs> She's asking questions. I'm like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Go for it. Well, yeah, maybe I don't need to be in one. I mean, that's what you see. So, I mean. I can see that you intellectualize everything. Is that bad? <laughs> Do you feel your feelings? Sometimes, not all the time. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you know how to recognize them yeah. and feel them? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I've been very good about yeah. when I feel anxious or depressed, I don't say I'm depressed, even internally. Uh-huh. I'll say I'm feeling depressed. Yeah. Because I don't think I am my feelings. Right. But I'm a human being having a human experience, and this feeling is coming up, and it's okay to be uncomfortable yeah. in that mm-hmm. feeling. Is that what I tell myself yeah. when I have these uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. And when I have good feelings, I try to tell myself, this is also fleeting, so enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I try to look at my feelings like uh, the view outside the window on a train. No, that's a, a beautiful gift to have is to mm-hmm. be the observer. It wasn't really a gift. It cost me hundreds of thousands in, in doctor's visits <laughs> okay. and co-payments. It's, it's a good skill to develop <laughs> <Thank> you, <yeah. laughs> and pay for and learn. <laughs> no, but I, it, it's your, the intellectualization of things definitely is just your narrative around I can just hear, like, you're prefacing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You're like, if I should, you're having a lot of commentary on mm-hmm. your thoughts instead of, like, just being in the moment feeling. Well, part of it is because I also I know, know this is, I'm also yes, aware of absolutely. the artifice of the podcast. So, yeah. like, in the therapy, the reality is I did it privately in therapy, too. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's like, what, I'm just curious. That's yeah. just something I, I observed just in kind of. I think it's the internal think. heckler yeah. of like, I'll say something, whether it's a joke or anything. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, uh-huh. well, what would, the op- what would the person who disagrees with that say? So I'm always trying to. Hedge it, <laughs> I feel. Mm. Even internally or like in when you're sharing? Like when I'm sharing. Yeah. yeah. What happens internally then? If you're not trying to figure out. No, I guess I probably do it internally too. There's probably another part of me goes, oh, you're full of shit, Jeff. What are you, what are you saying? What are you feeling? Like, you know, uh-huh. I don't know why I do that. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. I would call our parts. <laughs> In therapy, we talk about the parts of self. Uh-huh. And so you named it like the heckler. We have that inner critic, uh-huh. um, the one who judges and the performer. Uh, and then there's just the core self in there without an agenda that gets mm. to kind of just observe and notice what we are. And I guess that's, I was kind of getting like, how often do you get to connect to that? Because that, you're in that part. Just like when you, to compare it to saying, I, instead of I'm depressed, I'm feeling, de- you know, I'm feeling depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's like, can you observe those parts when they're heckling and when they're having the judgment? And then there's a separate you. Like I heard a video that was like, who's hearing your thoughts in there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's interesting. And how much do we get to connect to that part of ourselves that's actually hearing the thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I think I do. I don't think I do it all the time. Uh, but it's a good reminder to, yeah. to try to connect with that, yeah. that space. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes they come in so loud, it's like it's just the running thing that's happening that it, it just feels it's our experience that we're having. Right. Well, you know, I did, yeah. um, uh, I make some jokes about this. They're not working that well yet. <laughs> but about uh, the ketamine treatment that I did, I did like a, a massive, you know, IV injections of ketamine to help with depression. And before the ketamine, uh, I, the analogy I had was that there was like a radio station in my head all the time, mm-hmm. all negative, mm. W-N-E-G, all negative, all the time. <laughs> playing all the misses from 1970 (laughs) to now and i'd be like you know k-n-a-g for people west of the mississippi because everyone loves a radio joke these kids today love radio jokes um (laughs) (laughs) and so the to to have to tune that radio station out was either i could do it but i'd become exhausted Mm mm-hmm is it cool if we lose a member of the podcast? <laughs> the podcast? <laughs> yeah, Kaylee's actually going into training to be a death doula, so we're covered. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love that term. I've never heard that before. Melanie is too going into training. Wow. Mm-hmm. So maybe you don't die alone. You won't. We've got two <laughs> yeah, death doulas. I'm, I'm blanked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm blanked. Um, we got you, girl. But since the ketamine, I've been able to, like, um, and the joke I make is now, you know, I used to have these negative, intrusive, negative, repetitive thoughts that I really could not control. Mm. And now, since the ketamine, uh, all those negative thoughts are my choice. Now I choose to have them, but not jo- I, the joke is that I, the reality is I can, I can recognize them and just move on and the ketamine helped that quite a bit oh that's awesome yeah quite a bit uh there were moments where i would move towards a a reaction that i would have like a whatever i would do to alleviate one of the things i used to do would be i'd call nine friends Uh or ten or five or checking in reiterating the enrolling other people in my drama Mm. and then i would i remember i went to go pick up the phone to do this i'm like i don't need to do this Mm -hmm. this is just something i've reflexively do Uh i'm not even doing it with any kind of thought to it there's a myriad of other responses. I can go take a walk. I can mm. go sit quietly. I can read a book. I could, yeah. I could smoke a joint. I could do, mm. I mean, there's positive and negative things you could do, but I would always mm. go to the reflexive action yeah. or thought. And I just felt freed to choose. Yeah. Whoa, after that. that's and a huge step. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was pretty powerful. And this is after, you know, long trials with Lamictal and Lexapro and wow. all these other medications, which have their own ups and downs of mm-hmm. side effects. Mm-hmm. And, so it was very trying, mm. you know, and, and the ketamine offered a lot of relief. So, Oh, thank God. Yeah. I've yeah. been like thinking about doing ketamine. So that's an interesting. Yeah. I've never yeah. really done it as a party drug except once in Thailand, which I also recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. If you can find yourself a hot scuba instructor <laughs> who will let you do ketamine with him in, uh, in his, in his hut in the, in the, in the forest. <laughs> Jesus. Go for it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Can I want to know who's like your, who, I know you said that you are close to comedians or like you, that's your community, but do you have that, um, like a couple of people that are like your, that you feel like really vulnerable around and close to? Are oh they, yeah. Are they comedians? 
Uh, yes and no. Yeah. One oh, is okay. my, um, he's not my boss, <laughs> but he was my uh, creative partner for a long time. Mm. And I work with him now or for him, I should say. And we've done a lot of creative projects that took a lot of uh, financial and legal risk to, to execute. Mm -hmm. And so we've been through hell together. Yeah. So I trust. And we also had the same therapist at one point. Oh, shit. So we could learn to communicate with each other and other people in our life. We you didn't did that on it. purpose? No, no, no. He already <laughs> found this therapist. <laughs> She had a very non-traditional way of approaching therapy, and then he got me in. And then because we were both having the same therapist, we started using language mm. that facilitated, I'm doing it now, better understanding <laughs> and, and appreciation of each other. Mm. And then, uh, and then uh, there are comments. Did it happen to be yeah. called Imago therapy? No, I'm trying to remember. Well, it's um, Gestalt. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Is that the same thing you thought? No. Imago oh. is it's used it's a dialectic like language for it's used for it's really helpful for couples work. Oh, okay. But it, it just helps you create empathy and understanding and communicating. Okay. But Gestalt is just like an old like style of therapy that just gets in there. Can you? <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot, but could you? How would you encapsulate what Gestalt therapy is? Oh God! Sorry, you don't have to. If you don't yeah, want to. I don't want to try to do okay. it because I won't get it wrong. Because <laughs> it's not something. I, it's yeah, I don't want to try to. But from what I remember about, I don't it, know enough about it to try to speak on it. But the relationship with the therapist is also part of the therapy. They kind of can mm. take on roles for things that you're trying to work out, like role right? play. We did do some of that. I mm. mean, yeah, but it. Um, would you consider it an experiential type of? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was so not. Yeah. It's. I've seen some. I forget the name of it. The, there's a documentary. Somebody, or it's not a documentary, but it's a show somebody told me about to watch. But it's kind of like where they had. It's like people are. It's so that you can play out these things, but the therapist takes part in it, oh. and it's like. Like they may take on a role of like a parent, but and then they're gonna act out these things. That sounds like something that you would love. I know. Yeah. You try to do that all the time. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, when I'll, I'll like say something and she'll be like, "Okay." Well, yeah. I talk like to it. me like you would that person. I like experiential stuff. Gazalt, Gazalt takes it kind of to another level. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. And she was a kooky woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm not gonna mention her name, but. I loved her. I thought she was, her whole thing was about trying to disrupt the dominant narrative, which I just love outside of therapy, just that the world doesn't have to be the way it's been presented to you. You can make it whatever you want it to be. That sounds a lot like the school you went to. Oh, no. We all, <laughs> look at that. No matter how far no. I try to run away, I come back home. <laughs> I mean, does it? A little I bit? I guess it does. <laughs> it does. But she was also very big about, um, I remember, <laughs> I remember, well, Just say she, it. She, no, she yes. was very good about broadening my idea of, of who I, who I was in the world and how I contacted the world. Mm. Yeah. Can, can you say more about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I remember when it was something small, but I was like writing a bio for my website mm. and I read it to her and she's like, I dislike it thoroughly. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, she's like, well, I'm she's like, it, it it's really? yeah she's like she's she said um it 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 pigeonholes you into what you do and not why you do it oh interesting you know? why do you do the things you do mm -hmm. because you 
because you, you know, yeah, you can say you're an advertising executive or you're a comedian, but what are you trying to do? Are you, are you trying to challenge people? I'm someone who challenges people's perceived notions of things. Oh. Or I'm someone who, um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, is always searching for the truth, oh, even wow. if it's an advertising, which is all lies, you know? And that was like, oh, that's a, that's a broader way of looking at your own self. Yeah. yeah. She's still alive? I hope so. That, that would be three therapists that, I, that I've outlived. You mentioned home. But she did look like... <laughs> did you ever watch Bewitched? Yeah. The mother-in-law. <gasps> Whoa. With the robes and yeah. the makeup and the hair. It's a very out there... That makes sense that that's yeah. the type of therapy she did. Because she, she, like. she wasn't subscribing to anybody's narrative yeah. either. So she was out there. Did she ever just like smack you out of nowhere? No. no. Okay. Did I'm the just... mother-in-law do that? <laughs> <laughs> what? It just seemed like... <laughs> <laughs> what? what kind of therapy are you in? <laughs> Full contact therapy? What are you in? <laughs> Snap out of it. <laughs> Amber. Never mind, never mind. Right. Never mind. Wipe that wipe that clean. <laughs> Clear that slate. I didn't say that. Even the therapy dog came <laughs> He's in. Like, is everything okay? <laughs> She's a uh, <laughs> You said earlier that you and your mom like made up. Can you talk? <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry that my head is facing this way. I feel like I'm am I blocking you? I was looking this way, but I didn't give you a lot of Face attention. No, you can look at okay, me all right. anytime. Cool, I'm sorry. here. <laughs> you know, I read the sheet about what we might talk about, and I'm like, I'll be fine. <laughs> Amber, I have noticed you've looked at Amber more than me. I didn't know. Did, if you, did was... you? You did notice it. Yes. I felt like you did. Yeah, I did. But it was just I didn't know. if Sometimes I'm being the therapist in the room. Um, it's just it could be a. Window. Why do you think it's because I'm more familiar with Amber? It it could easily just be that, but it okay. could be. Whenever someone says, I've noticed when we've been doing this, if when someone says something very deep or difficult, they'll look at me. <laughs> when they say something funny, they look at Amber. Interesting. Ah. And it's like Amber's kind of the safer emotional thing, which, I mean, mm. I think I think people experience me as safe emotionally. Yeah. But it's like I'm kind of representative of, like, the deep harder stuff. And so I didn't, I was curious. Okay. I can ignore Amber for the rest no, of No, I, I just, I didn't notice it, but it. Could okay. just be the way you're seated. I felt that you noticed it, so I said uh -huh. something. Why do you think it is? That's her question. Why are you <laughs> asking something like that? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I think it's because we have a familiarity. I've yeah. yeah. And oh, what made you think that I noticed it? I don't know. It was a vibe thing. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like you were just thinking about Maybe it. Maybe I, I projected it up to you. <laughs> were you concerned about what I'm concerned about? Uh, I'm just my, listening. <laughs> The mom. Mm -hmm. well, something <laughs> funny about my mom. <laughs> oh, she's not going to listen to this. Uh, so I found out she had the, made some attempts to put me up for adoption. Mm. But like when I was two, like I was speaking it too. Like mm -hmm. this was not like a woman who couldn't handle raising a child. She was like, this child has to go. Mm. And so I brought it up a few years ago. <laughs> She's like, aren't we past that yet? Oh. So I think that encapsulates the relationship I have with my mom. Uh, lovely woman, had a very challenging kid with not a lot of support, even like internet. Like I, I really, I know there's probably a lot of 
misinformation and garbage on the internet, but it is a way for people to connect with mm-hmm. other communities who are dealing with something. And she had none of that yeah. in the seventies. She had doctors who told her, put your kid on these drugs. She mm-hmm. had a school system that said, send your kid to the school. So she did the best she could. Um, and then I think she kind of just gave well, my, I wasn't put up for adoption. <laughs> my dad stopped that. Uh, and, um, I think by the time I got to high school, we were living in the same house and absolutely not speaking. Damn. Like there was no communication. I think she just, for her own safety, for her own mental stability, she had to cut herself off from a child that had drained quite a bit of her. And I felt like she, and drained, I drained a lot of attention and, and, and uh, from, from my brother. Mm. Like the, the, a lot of the family was wrapped up in my stuff. There was a somewhat violent household. There were police called to the house. There was like problems in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, it was just a very hard way of growing up. And so now, um, my mom and my dad, I think we've, I mean, you know, we're all grown adults now, you know, mm-hmm. and we have a very different type of, uh, dynamic between us. And I talk to her maybe, you know, once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, 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 it was fractured, you know, in high school where we, we didn't speak. I think she just had to protect herself by putting up a wall because mm-hmm. I had taken so much of mm-hmm. her energy. Mm-hmm. Even mothers don't have a a never-ending well. Some mothers. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm just thinking of that little you that didn't get your needs met. Oh, uh, you're not going to make me cry. No way. I'm not, no, I'm I'm not meaning I'm, to. I'm, I'm just, I'm just but I just hear, I hear clients say that a lot, mm-hmm. like de- defending a parent mm-hmm. of like, I mean, and it's great that you can like offer that empathy to her of like, she didn't have, you know, things afforded to her that could have helped her be a better parent to you, but it still doesn't mean you didn't get what you needed. And mm-hmm. we kind of, because we're an adult, doesn't mean we've outgrown the pain. We just Certainly, learned yeah. to shove it down better. Mm-hmm. And I just think, I don't know, just as you've been talking, I just think of that, the messaging, that little version of you got mm-hmm. from your... Yeah, and I definitely, you know? I definitely have abandonment issues because yeah. of it. Uh, it it's displayed in a lot of my personality. Uh, if I if some, How I mean, especially not? what? How could yeah, you? Yeah, especially in a society. I mean, none of this was something when I was growing up. But like, someone not texting me back yeah. is catastrophic. <laughs> I know it stresses a lot of people out mm-hmm. to be left unread, but to me, it brings up a lot of core mm-hmm. issues of mm-hmm. does anybody stick around? Mm-hmm. And even if, even though they can be there. Like my mom was in the house. Mm-hmm. You can be present and yeah. and still be abandoned. Absolutely. You know? Do you think that? And you can just tell me to fuck off. No, you I don't want to do answer that. this question. I'll answer anything. But do you think that maybe subconsciously that's why you find yourself in these relationships with people that really aren't emotionally available? Because yes, I'm sure you're limiting the possibility for pain there. Yeah, I make jokes about that. That we try to we try to recreate the relationships we had. Yeah. Even if they're negative, because it feels like home. Mm-hmm. So I'm just recreating home. But you secretly, deep down, you want a different outcome. Sure. You know? Yeah, well, the great thing but is there's always the next life. It's safety. <laughs> <laughs> or you can make jokes about it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like my jokes are a defense mechanism? <laughs> I don't think they're a defense mechanism, but I think it is just how you know how to process and stay at a certain level without mm-hmm. going deep into something mm-hmm. that doesn't... 
I mean, if from what you've shared, you didn't learn how to access emotions and understand them and express them and understand what information they're giving you as a child. So your template is not there for that. That's right. You've had to do a lot of work, and I don't know exactly what that has looked like, but it still seems like it's difficult for you. Yeah, it's it's still difficult, and I've often thought, um, did all I do is is take my my trauma and and just take all the my self defense mechanism and is that all my personality is? Is that anybody what anybody's personality is? Just a series of defense mechanisms? I don't think so. I think I call them survival skills. Okay. It's what you had learned to how you had to survive. Yeah, and I and I've had I've done some of this work with some therapists that yeah. the survival skills that suit you at four and ten and twelve mm-hmm. may not be appropriate at thirty, forty and fifty, but yeah. that's kind of all we have, so right. we use them. Yeah. So while I may not have gone to the, pl- oh my God, maybe I will go back into therapy. I won't. Um, I at least am now empath- I'm more empathetic <laughs> with other people. So when I, and I, in my better moments, which are far and few between, when I encounter other people, I try to remember, ah, they're also a wounded four-year-old in, the, in a 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old person's body. Do and they're know, doing the best they can. Do you offer yourself the same? No, of course not. Mm. <laughs> I hold myself to a higher standard than other people. No, uh, no, I, 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 I probably don't think about it that way. But and I and quite frankly, not with other people all the time either. But when mm-hmm. I stop and reflect at the end, of, you know, in those moments before sleep takes over, I'm like, oh, you know, what? they're probably just they're probably just fumbling around in the dark through life like I am. And they only mm-hmm. have the skills that they were given mm-hmm. or that they made use of when they were young. Yeah. It's hard to adjust your tool set as you move through life. Mm. It is. You've done a lot of therapy, though. So is that, have. have you seen some of those evolve? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Which ones? <sighs> if you want to answer. Yeah. Um, you probably won't, probably not from this podcast sitting, but like using comedy to deflect being able to really connect with someone about something important mm-hmm. uh, without using joke as, as a shield. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I remember there was someone... I'm probably still friends with her on Facebook, but she, there's been a couple of friends who said, yeah, I like hanging out with you, but it's really hard to talk to you. Not, not late. I mean, I'm sure still lately, but I remember these two pieces of feedback came and they're like, you use these jokes to deflect and, and I don't feel comfortable. They didn't feel comfortable revealing personal things or deep things because they were afraid there'd be a joke, Mm. you know, or that, um, they can only use me as comic relief and not as like a real you know, someone to lean on yeah. and that hurt. And I realized for me to change, I'm going to have to be able to have, I can use comedy to be empathetic, but I don't have to use comedy to, to, to criticize or to, to change the subject. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does. So I think on that level, therapy has been useful and also, um, just recognizing, uh, patterns that I have that are probably not like I can, I can look and say, Oh, you know, you're doing it again, Jeff. You know, whatever that, mm. especially like, like I said, since the ketamine, but it, it helped me go back to the actual talk therapy that I had and go, oh, those things I can actually incorporate now. Yeah. I think I was just so, so led by the internal monologue that yeah. whatever was being discussed in therapy didn't get through on a core level. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Those, that internal dialogue is everything, man. Yeah. It's what we got to deal with. Truly. Because you, know? you can get to where you can control your external behavior. 
you know, mm. for the most part, mm -hmm. you know, that's that can be done, but it's that internal stuff that goes on. Think about all the thoughts you have that you don't say out loud. <laughs> like no one really knows you but you. Yeah. And but there's probably like I'm sure I've read some percentage of what actually is we put outward. It's like very small amount of mm -hmm. like our actual thoughts get out mm. <laughs> of our head. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's like we we live in there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to think it, when especially when it's these negative like circular like you kind of were describe their patterns of mm. just like this automatic go-to. But I will say the people I've met who don't have that, some of the dumbest people I've ever met in my entire life. They don't have what? <laughs> A negative internal monologue. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean? Dumb. Like there are people I know who are just like they think very highly of them. They they have like a very um Especially in comedy, like mm. people are like, uh, nothing's wrong. Like they, they don't seem to have any inner critic mm. Does that... and they desperately need one. <laughs> See, uh, that's something that I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I'm like those people who don't do well on stage or something. And they're like, man, I fucking killed that. I'm like, okay. <sighs> but I see that it bothers a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. What, to think positive of yourself? Like, if someone doesn't do well on stage and they're like, man, I, I just crushed that fucking thing. Like, I just crushed it. And it bothers it. And I can see their point, but it bothers a lot of comics of like, you know, like, no, you didn't. Like, you need to put in more time. That wasn't good at all. I, I'm, I'm a fan of, of being a, a, a cheerleader to oneself. But <laughs> 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 what is so funny? That's so <laughs> this is funny. Sorry. <laughs> Intellectualizing. <But> <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Please keep going. I swear I do. But if you're pursuing something athletic or artistic, that you can't be divorced from what's actually happening on the field or on the stage. And, yeah. if you, and that I think speaks to your work ethic, to being able to to um uh look at something objectively. Mm -hmm. But then again, everyone has different goals. Who knows? Maybe crush it for that person meant I tried three new things yeah. and I got off stage and no one hurt me. Mm. I succeeded. So maybe I should be more forgiven. Uh, I've grown. Look at that. There's been growth. <laughs> but tell me why it hurts, why it bothers other comedians to see a comedian. It, what I'm hearing is it frustrates me when someone sucks and they don't realize that they suck yeah. and they think they did good. What does that hurt anybody else? I, I know. I, I think, well, I think there's two things. One thing I have met people that they'll come to a person that has put in the time and be like, yo, I just, I just fucking crushed it. I just crushed it up there. And someone who has put in the time and like, is like, just wants to kind of scream like, no, you didn't, <laughs> you know, like that's that own person stuff. Yes. <laughs> Most of the time for me, I'm like, that's awesome, man. And then I'm like, if, if I don't feel good around them, I'm just not going to be around them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And be like, yeah. they'll figure it out or they won't, you know, yeah. like whatever. I am so focused on like my comedy journey. that yeah. I'm like, whether you did well or not, doesn't mm -hmm. really yeah. affect That's where me I've gotten to now too. But I've also, yeah. I've also seen and been part of the opposite where I do do well and I go, oh, that was terrible. Mm. And I don't accept any mm -hmm. um, joy in something that was okay. Especially, I mean, I still go through it now. I'm, I'm only seven years in, but like in my first year, two years, 
I was probably doing pretty well for someone who'd only been on stage a handful of times, uh-huh. but I would not allow any. I was like, well, there's first of all, I just know objectively it's not good because it has it. It, it has to take time. It's like there's no way the cake is done yet. It's only been in the oven for 10 minutes. There's I no think way it could be, be good. Yeah, it, it could have been good, but I wouldn't allow myself to even think it. I was like, oh, I forgot that joke and I mm. did this and my timing was off. And but part of me is like, it's kind of. I don't know. Like I, I, I watch documentaries about Olympians and mm. people who are trying to strive to be the best in whatever field they're in, whether it's music or dance. And you have to kind of be a little hard on yourself. Well, you, know, you don't have to be, but the, <laughs> fuck, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am hard on myself. Is, and she's like, <laughs> what? You don't agree? I don't. You don't. You don't think you have to be hard on yourself? That's a survival skill, my man. Oh. <laughs> I think that if you want to be like, I think hard on yourself and see, I feel like comics really, when you were like, Oh, I'll have a, like an okay set and beat the shit on myself, uh, mentally over it. I think comics really have adopted that. Like, hell yeah, that's the game, brother. That's how you have to feel. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you have to be hard on yourself. If you want to get somewhere, you can contemplate and be like, Hmm, how can I make this better? I'm really good. Maybe I could like be better. I could try crowd work or I could write mm. more, but it's not like, God, I'm, I suck. That was really bad. You mm. know, that's just so. Well, I will say, I don't, I don't say anymore. And I haven't in a long time. I suck. Or I go back to that. You know, that performance was not what I wanted it to be. So that's I don't good. internalize it. Oh, yeah. good. A couple of times I do. I, mean, I know. Listen, same, same. I mean, I will call, yeah. you know, Ledbetter, Andrew Ledbetter and be like, do I suck? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a very emotionally vulnerable job mm-hmm. and it, it, I relate. It gets to you. And yeah. And like, it's gotten to me on a, I'm sure it's gotten to you on so many levels yeah. because you're even, even the one judged in the moment. By yes. Laughing. If, if you get a laugh or not, that's gotta be, there's hard. that aspect uh-huh. of it. And it's, even if I'm doing what, well, like sometimes I'm, I'll be having a good set. I'm like, but none of this is what I want to be talking about. Yeah, Why are you laughing at this? <laughs> I don't even want to be talking about this, but the set I want to talk about isn't going to do well in this mm-hmm. room. And then I go, well, isn't it my job? to find a way to talk about the subjects and topics and points mm-hmm. of view. I want to talk about it in a way where I can meet the audience where they are. But the only way to do that is to get a lot of stage time. And the only way to get stage time is to not have to be good. the club owner be like, I don't want you back here. Cause right. you talked about, right. You know, whatever, you know, right. Say it. <laughs> Killing all the bottoms. So, yeah. that, you know, so that, I mean, like, you know, if you right. want to get rid of gay, you know, I mean, this is so out of context and you get, oh. this is so out of context. <laughs> Shit. You know, or, or about, yeah, I can't let that hang out there about killing bottoms. We love bottoms. Yes. We need more bottoms. Yes. I'm very pro bottom. Yes. I want to be clear. Yes. But it was just a joke I have made about people who want to get rid of all the gays. They want to kill all the gays and I forgot it. Just kill the bottom so we can't make more gays. Where do you think the gays are coming from? <laughs> All right. So just want to be clear. I don't, I'm not anti-bottom, but, um, and we don't want to kill gays, but no, 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 no. not even maim them. Like we want them to all be very healthy. Uh, but like, how do you, like tonight I'm going to go up at Zany's and mm-hmm. do the new material Monday. And like, you want to do good. I want to do well. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? Lucy's probably not even paying attention. Who knows if she is or not? That's not the point. I want to do well in front of my colleagues. I want the yeah. audience to have a good time. They came out to have a good time. Right. But I also, as an artist or as a comedian, whatever you want to call me, I also want to learn how can you, where in the set, how in the set do you put in the topics that are most interesting to you mm-hmm. and make people laugh? And so it's a hard one because sometimes even when I, do well i'm like yeah but i didn't do any of the stuff that you know i know that i came to talk about 
but then I just say, you know what? It's a journey. Yes. And, and um, I'm not even at the middle of it, hopefully. Yeah. Know? It's and, a moment to moment show to show thing, I think. And I try to tell myself, are the challenges and quote unquote problems I'm having more interesting than the ones I had when I started? Mm. If they're more interesting, then I feel I'm moving in the right direction. Because there's lots of ways of charting your growth. How much money are you making? How many mm -hmm. followers do you have? I'm more interested in the creative process. Yeah. And so, oh, am I, I used to grapple with, can I just get five minutes where there's like 30 laughs or 25, mm -hmm. laughs, like, you know, a tight five. Now it's more like, okay, can I get, can I have a set that's a longer set where some of the material at least was on, on, on my terms? Yeah. You know? And what I've seen that's been really cool lately watching, I, you usually I don't watch other specials or comedians, um, but I have been because I've noticed that it like gets my juices going, but watching like specials on Netflix and like people headlining big clubs. And I've noticed that there'll be stretches of time where they're saying what they want to say and no one's really laughing. It's not hitting, but they're just like, they're so chill about it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, even Netflix specials mm -hmm. where they'll, they'll literally say a joke. It won't hit. And they'll be like, well, y'all didn't like that one, but I thought it was fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh man, when you get to a certain level where it's just like, there's going to be another show. You are who you are. It, like it doesn't all have to be perfect. Whatever that is. It's like, you can Certainly. just yeah. say it, you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of reassuring. But there's also the added, like we were talking about the pressure of, of, you know, when you're not at that level where you're getting a Netflix special, you're, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I try not to think about any of these things. What I really try mm -hmm. to think about when I go on stage is can I just have fun? Oh, because yes. all the other things get to go in the car of fun. Fun is the vehicle. So true. And the anxieties and the material and the mm -hmm. written stuff that goes in the trunk because the, the, the way we're getting to where we're going is fun. That's so true. So I try to have fun. Whereas before I, there was probably a stretch. I was having super fun first two years. It was killer. Because <laughs> yeah. all your friends are going through it and you're mm -hmm. doing open mics and it's New York yeah. City. And it's like, it's all so cool and interesting and fun. And, and then um, it becomes, a, then it becomes taxing and hard. And mm -hmm. you, you're watching some people move forward and mm -hmm. other people not moving forward. And people start giving up. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to realize, okay, this is going to be like a long journey. And then it becomes <laughs> yeah. work. Then, yeah. then you get paid mm -hmm. and now you're like trying to do a job and right. you're trying to, you know, and the other people's expectations are then put on you, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just try to have fun because I've, I've also watched comedians who I'm, some of them who I'm jealous of. I'm like, no, they, didn't, they didn't have a lot of, they didn't have a lot of material, but wow, they had a lot of fun. Aww. And you know what? The audience had fun and the audience didn't really give a fuck if the, mm -hmm. I mean, of course I think the joke should be really well written and well structured in the set. Of course. But I've watched I think it's not like music. I think a really good beat can sell shitty lyrics, hmm. but I've never seen a, a bad beat sell good lyrics. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one remembers the song. So I think the fun is the beat. Mm. And so I'm trying to, that's, so, so who knows? Maybe I'll come off stage and be like, I fucking crushed it. And everyone will be like, no, you didn't. But like, in my mind, I'll be like, oh, but I had fun. That's so that, fun. Was my, that was my form of crushing it. Yeah, 100%. But I do want the audience to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are, will this come out before I'm up at Zany's in 40 minutes? If yeah. you're up, if, if you're at Zany's tonight at the open, at the New Material Monday, just laugh. Just please. Just have a good time. <laughs> well, I have a million more questions, especially about your mom, that I want to ask you. But you could have, have her time. on. She'd love to be on. <laughs> Let's have you both back. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> 
So maybe we'll have to have a part two just about your mom. She can do, she can, she can um, zoom in. She doesn't leave Maryland. Perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Does that sound exciting to you? You're joking, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, we're not really doing this. No. I mean, no. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that'd be a good idea. We're not going to do that. Um, So, how many therapy dogs do you have? (laughs) Just two, man. That's not going to be enough. Do you have any more questions? No, thank you for sharing what you have. Um, it, I, there are so many questions mm-hmm. to ask to go deeper into stuff, but we're out of time. So yeah. maybe we do need to have it. It sounds like the end of a therapy session. I'm afraid <laughs> we're, we're out, out of time. time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to think about before we meet next week? A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple questions. Yes. One, what do you do that just makes you feel like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> People can't see that face you just made. <laughs> they get it though. Um, I can if you're on YouTube. Oh my god, they can! I'm like oh, Jesus. <laughs> you thought it was just audio. Did you see the face? I don't know. I wasn't really thinking. <laughs> that makes you feel like, oh, this is my shit. This is me in my zone. Um, and then, secondly, tell everybody where they can find you. I mean, I hate to say it. I guess I don't hate to say it. Just doing comedy. This is really mm. what I love doing. Uh, I've done a lot of other things. I'm an old dude. I'm 53. I've done a lot of other things. This is the thing that makes me the most happy when it's going well, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, but lots of highs and lows. And I like, I like highs and lows. Mm. So I, I like that it's, you know, not, it's not a boring life. Mm. You know? I love that. So I love it. Yeah. And where to find me? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to um, thatguyimet.com, then <laughs> all my. Are you my, serious? It's my website. No, it's not. It is. I bought it like at the beginning of the internet. <laughs> at the beginning of the internet. And I also internet. own that girl I met.com in case I choose to. No, you're you know, not. I don't both. That guy I met? Dot com. I also own um, Shortball Jew. No, com. you don't. I do, but I haven't put anything up on it yet. <laughs> so, it's real. It's real. So oh, my I, goodness. What I orig- it's just a link tree. What I originally wanted to do for that guy I met.com <laughs> was to have four pictures of bald bearded men up <laughs> and you would have to figure it like remember which one one of them would be me and the three others would be like doppelgangers and if you pick the wrong one it would block your ip address forever so you'd never be able to hang, talk to me again but i never did any of it it's just a link tree where you can find my instagram and i think i have a tiktok i don't know my website okay my venmo oh did you see that face <laughs> <laughs> That one was important. Uh, yeah, if you just want to follow any stuff that I'm doing, that guy I met dot com, and uh, and yeah, and if you're in Chattanooga, follow uh, on Instagram Chattanooga Comedy to find out shows that are going on in in my new hometown. Beautiful. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for giving me a space to be vulnerable. You're welcome. Thank mm. you. And to be Jeff. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, oh, and thank you as well, Amber. And thank you. And thank you. And thank you. And thank you. We're good? (laughs) Thank you for listening to I'm Fine, It's Fine podcast. My name is Amber Autry. I'm a comedian based here in Nashville and internationally touring. You can find me on all platforms at Amber Autry Comedy. And I am Melanie Reese. I'm a trauma therapist here in Nashville. You can find me across all platforms at Trauma Therapy Nashville. We really appreciate you listening so much. And if you want to give a little extra for free, Make sure you're liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, sharing with your friends, talking about it to literally everyone you see, because it helps so much, and we're so grateful for the extra effort. 
And if you like what you're hearing and you want some bonus material, that includes interviews with other practitioners and the, all the juicy stuff that Amber and I talk about that doesn't go into the normal podcast. Um, we'd love to have you subscribe. You can find the link in our bio and $5 a month. You can do it. Thank you. Thanks.